Welcome to another episode of Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights here with Rich Klein. We're going to talk about uh, Jim Wynn, Jimmy Wynn, the, the toy cannon, just passed away. Uh, but first, thanks to our sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. So thank you, sponsors. Thank you, listeners. And welcome, Rich. Rich, this was your idea. We were talking about getting together. And as most uh, listeners know, getting together is means virtual these days. So Rich and I are having kind of like a Skype call, kind of a Zoom call, where we can see each other uh, taking visual cues. But uh, we are basically going to do as close as we can to an in-person interview about what was, Rich, your, your first favorite player. My so, first favorite player was yeah. Jimmy Lynn. 19, you know, when I started following baseball in 1967, you know, Jimmy Wynn had a great year. He had 37 homers in the Astrodome, which, which you didn't is, realize at the time, but 37 homers in the Astrodome is an amazing accomplishment. He had 107 RBIs. He'd actually today be considered a much better player than he was then with the low batting average because he also, even though he struck out a little too much, he walked a lot. And so as such, and he was a good defensive center fielder, so he could do a little bit of everything. I think today he'd rake in a lot more money than he did in the 60s and 70s. Oh, absolutely. He'd be a, a probably a sabermetric darling. I, I looked it up because I'm not like you. I have to look up some of these things. But I realized he's in the all-time walks list. He's 56th of all the players ever of, base, of baseball. So the, the uh, sabermetrics, all the advanced metrics would, would love his, uh, you know, he was a slugger and a, a good on-base percentage. So he, he, and playing in, not to be underestimated, playing in, in uh, the Astrodome was a, was a pitcher's delight and a hitter's, not a graveyard, but you know, you could look at how many home runs he had. I bet he had a lot more home runs on the road than he did um, in. Uh, I think what shows how good of a player he really would have been was the first year he got out of Astrodome, just as his athletic peak was starting to dwindle, and the year he had in '74 for the Dodgers. You know, yeah, but the Dodgers is, was a pitcher-friendly park too. But it wasn't I mean, as bad as the Astrodome. Maybe not as bad, but wow, that guy. When you and, and you know his peers really respected him. That's another thing that is that is awesome. I noticed that he's in the inaugural class of the Astros Hall of Fame, uh, deservedly. And what's interesting is he has a fascinating card career, too. He has 14 years of Topps cards, no breaks. He has a few tough, tough cards. He has a bunch of interesting inserts. And as such, he's like the perfect guy if you really want to do an interesting type collection of 60s and 70s cards. Well, it could get expensive because he's on the rub-offs. He's on the, uh, he's on the you know, all these other candy lids. He's on these, these difficult... Um, what, what was the punch outs, uh, coins. He's in a bunch of the Venezuelan sets and the uh, OPGs. And so he obviously was highly esteemed by tops because they had lots of players to pick from. And he was one of their go-to guys for even their, their special sets, the bazookas. You know, he, if you tried to be an exhaustive Jimmy Wynn collector, you know, in, in the, in the sixties, uh, obviously late sixties, early seventies, uh, you wouldn't necessarily go broke, but there's some very challenging, uh, uh, test issues and ancillary issues for Topps. So he Topps really thought he was he was um, well he, he was well respected. Well, you know, and if you're trying to do one player from every team, he's the Astro star in those days. And as such, you know, he's the guy you choose. You know, Cedeno comes up in Cesar Cedeno comes up in 1970. It takes a couple of years to establish himself. So Win has that period of six seven years where he is the Astros guy. And Joe Morgan and was probably similar to Cedeno that he he didn't really emerge until the very late sixties and and his best years were with the Reds so he came up as well. In fact, he's probably pretty contemporary with Jimmy Wynn. Yeah, you know, and and all these guys from the sixties whose careers, whose numbers got ruined by not just where they played but 
the fact that it was such the pitcher's error, you know, you hear a guy like Veda Pinson, who probably could be a Hall of Famer with just a little bit of a break here and there, you know, and then you look at Willie Davis, and if you model his career into a normalized atmosphere, you see what he does in 62 and 69, and you realize those years where you think he's wandering in the desert, it's just the pitcher's error, and he can't do much. Right. And so anybody who did anything in the 60s had to be, you know, extraordinary. And you're right about the type issues, but even the regular issues for Jimmy Wynn can be a little bit challenging. And you have 72 high numbers, as you said, the 71 OPG is a really tough card. And to me, even at the end of his career, he his last regular issue card is a 77 Topps Burger King. He's number 22 in the set because Topps went in order. Well, by <laughs> me, even though he was about gone by that point, because they put him in, they missed a guy named Lupinella. Yeah. And that's then the... They- the reason why Lupinella ended up being a short print was that Jimmy Wynn took him, his place in 77 Burger King Yankees and created one of the first manias of people chasing down, figuring out how to con. Like and, you know, we talked about cheaters a few weeks ago. <laughs> this is a moral type of cheating, but people trying to con the Burger King managers into giving them the 77 right. Burger King Pinellas, including, from what I remember reading, people dress, dressing up as like little league coaches trying to get them. Oh, give them to my, so I can give them to my yeah. kids, you know, who play. So I need well, a handful. play, yeah. we're paying $10 each. Yeah. I get you. The, um, you know, one of the ways that I've uh, told people to evaluate, especially older players, is you know how many All Star games they appeared in, and and that also is not very unfair to uh, to uh, to Jimmy Wynn because, you know, he couldn't make the the All Star team. <laughs> well, wait a minute. There's a guy named Willie Mays, Roberto Clemente, Hank Aaron. If you're in National League, which hey, listeners, uh, Astros were National League in those days. Uh, you know, if you were a National League outfielder, you you were. Um, you were probably not. You weren't going to be a starting outfielder for the for for the National League team in the in in those uh, uh, late sixties, early seventies years. No, and if you think about it, not only do you have Mays, Clemente, Aaron, Pete Rose moves to the outfield for right. seven years. Uh, Rico Cardi wins a batting title with like a three forty two or three sixty five batting average when you're Matty Alou has a three forty two batting average championship. I mean, all these guys are are just having great years in the outfield. Rusty Staub is the guy for the Expos, the Grand Orange. Right. You know, uh, by the way, a teammate and basically another contemporary of Jimmy right. Wynn. He lasted even longer, but right. just another guy who lasted forever. Uh, you know, I was reading up on this, and I, I, you know, he's a toy cannon, and I thought, well, I wonder how. You know, Joe Morgan was also kind of a, you know, a, a smaller size guy who went on to Hall of Fame career, but as an infielder. But you know, would he be like Mookie Betts? He's, he was yeah, supposed yeah. to leave like five nine one sixty, and that actually sounds. But he had to be very muscular uh, to have that much power. Well, you're muscular, and you also have really quick wrists. You yeah. know, they always Hank Aaron talked about the wrists. He was a normal sized play baseball player, if not a you know a smaller baseball player. Willie Mays wasn't that big. You know, Morgan yeah. hit 25, 30 homers when he got to Cincinnati and had his best years. You know, it's how good your swing is. It's not necessarily how much power you have. You don't have to be Aaron Judge or Ted Kuzuski. Well, it seemed like the back in the days. I mean, the, the, these younger, I mean, these the smaller guys were not were uh, you know they, they had a smaller strike zone, and so you know the you know the Frank Howards, the Aaron Judges, these giant guys, they got a giant strike zone, and uh, they have giant power too. But uh, Jim Wynn, you know, apparently had well, he had lots of power. In fact, Aaron, a couple of similarities there. And number one, that one year where he came in second in the home run. Uh, race to Aaron when uh, that may have been the year he came in like fifth in the MVP uh, uh, voting. But Aaron said, Wow, if he oh, I only out homered him by two and he played in the Astrodome, uh, my hat's off to him. And the other similarity is that Aaron, I think, also came up as a shortstop and was moved to the outfield. And Jim Wynn came up as a shortstop. And, and again, if you could hit, 
Uh, well, again, most high school players, a lot of the high school teams, if you're the best player, you play shortstop. And then you get to the major leagues, you're an outfielder because shortstop is way more demanding. And um, But he was a good fielder in the outfield. And uh, what what's your favorite card of uh, – I know what card I would be looking for. I have two. Well, I have two. What would you? Card, and it's not. I happen to just love the rookie card. It's a Houston Colt forty-five card. It's a reasonably accessible card, but it's popular enough where you can just have it and say, "Oh, what a nice career he has!" And who knew where this would lead for Jimmy Wynn? You know, the All Star Games, the the seventy-four World Series, playing for the seventy-seven Yankees, albeit briefly with the monster home run he hit on opening day. It's interesting. Then you can say that card talks to me that this guy's going to have a decent life. And a decent career. And there's nothing, you know, we're both not as young as we used to be, but there's nothing wrong with thinking, you know, isn't it nice to know that this person ended up with a nice life and a nice career? He did, and he died at, at 78. He just, he yeah. was 78, which, again, is seeming not very old. And, um, you know, and he had condolences some, to you know, his he family. He had some health that. issues. Yeah. He was in a wheelchair. He could get out of the wheelchair. He wasn't a quadriplegic, but he he stayed in a wheelchair for most of the last few years of yeah. his life. You know, I there's video of him or people talking about him at the Astro Sabre convention. I shouldn't call it yeah, the Sabre convention in, in Houston where he comes in a wheelchair, but he makes the point to get out of the wheelchair as often as possible to shake people's hands, which I realize today shaking people's hands isn't quite the same as it was five years ago, but it's the same principle that he was really trying to be a gentleman. Yeah. I have, I have, uh, I have more than one friend that's in a wheelchair, but one of my friends, he's, he predated the, the coronavirus because he, he always has been a fist bump guy. And, um, uh, and so I think that's those are the the, the days and times we're living in. Uh, a couple things. One is um, again you have to be of a certain age, and it kind of predates your interest in baseball. But there's this phenomenon, uh, the, the most politically incorrect sports team name of the Colt Forty Fives, which was what the the Astros were prior to '65. And one of the interesting things about that is an artifact. If you go back to the early, I mean his his rookie card is '64. Therefore, that's that last year of Colt Forty Fives, which is a, a firearm for those. Uh, those of you who are not aware, uh, a glorification of, of, uh, of uh, again, the uh, Second Amendment uh, protections to bear arms, uh, which is uh, controversial. But uh, the interesting thing about that is that the team issues that uh, that he's, if I were going to go after a couple cards, the first card I'd go after as a tough card to go on my type card wall would be a 64 tops Venezuelan. Much tougher than his rookie card. Uh, but, you know, same design, slightly different back color and all that stuff. But that's what I'd go after. And the second thing I'd go after uh, with interest would be his um, a little bit oversized uh, team issue, the little mini poster things that like the J photo kind of things the, issued by the team. And the interesting thing about that is that you'd know it would be 64 if he's a Colt 45 as opposed to 65 where he's got the whatever the, the soaring stripes, the 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 star of, of the of the Astros going across the the shirt. Does that any appeal to you? 45 yeah, versus the, Astros? The, the or Venezuela just an card Astros? is really cool. Yeah. Because you're right, it's the rookie card. It's the same thing I just yeah, said. Yeah. And it's got and it's a really tough card. Right. And it's a really tough card and anything better than about a B B V G four or five. <laughs> I'd be happy with a five. I'd be happy with a four. Yeah. You know, yeah, if you get a four or a five and a sixty-four Venezuela, you have a really nice card. I mean, you and I, you know, shared the experience of going around the national looking for type cards. But can you imagine the lunacy of if you were a Jimmy Wynn collector and you stumble on at the at the uh, at the national a, uh, a a BVG four or five Jimmy Wynn and uh, and you pass on it because it's not in acceptable condition? I mean, what a what a joke. I mean, that, I don't know that I would would see anything better than that. And so you, the fact that you and I were not condition freaks 
and really appreciated the card and understood that certain cards, you just, you're going to really have difficulty finding them. If you look and look and look, uh, it's better to get the bird in the hand. And that would be a fabulous card. You know, part of me likes what part of me likes when I shop at the national now, but part of me misses the day of buying the type cards and chasing down the things that weren't in the almanac or the other books. And, yeah. Hey, this is really cool. And I've never seen it before. I know a couple of times, you know, Steve Taps, who's a basketball guru, right. sold me stuff. And then the next day he says, by the way, are you, do you want to sell it back to me? I know. No, but it's okay, Steve, because not that I was perfect or you were perfect, but we had a pretty good eye at the National yeah. for getting what we needed. Well, the, I hope those days return, Rich. I mean, I don't know that our National uh, this, this year in Atlantic City is in jeopardy. It, it, it perhaps is. Uh, I hope it's. I hope it goes on. I hope it's. I hope it's. The coast is clear and it's. It's safe to do that. But again, those were good days. And uh, let's end on this note, Rich. If you're walking the national this year, and let's be completely optimistic about it, and you see a card that's like what we used to see in the old days, and you did a fabulous job of this last year, even though you're working for Comsi, just bring it to my attention, and I will go over to a certain table and scope it out because I'm still enjoying the uh, the, the thrill of the chase, and I know you are too. So thanks, Rich. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Uh, Jimmy Wynn, you were an underrated uh, uh, star player for the for the Astros and others, and you're missed. Uh, condolences to your family. Again, listeners, be back again tomorrow with another episode. Uh, so long.